turn in your Bible, please, to Judges chapter 7 again. And again we return to this scene of the battle Gideon brought to the Midianites. We will read again this Lord's Day, the entirety of the text. We will probably not do that going forward, but we will read it. And starting at verse 15. And it was so that Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. If you have an old King James Bible, you'll notice the marginal reading there for the word lamps is the word firebrand or torches. They were not lamps with oil in them. They were torches made, no doubt, with wax and pitch. It's important for you to get a right picture in your mind of what you're seeing as this scene unfolds. In one hand, the whole 300, all 300 men, held in one hand a trumpet. And in the other hand, a torch with somehow a pitcher mounted so as to cover it as it burned. And he said unto them, look on me and do likewise. Behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that, as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpet in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth Shittim in Zerath, Zerath, and to the border of Abel Manahalah unto Tabah. And the men of Israel gathered together themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters 
unto Beth Barah and Jordan. And then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Beth Barah and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock of the rock Oreb. And Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. We turn there in a moment to look at this text again. Stand with me, please, before we do, and sing with me number 507. Faith adds new charms to earthly bliss and saves us from its snares. Number 507. Faith adds new charms to earthly bliss and saves us from its snares. It yields support in all our toils and softens all our cares. The wounded conscience knows its power, the healing balm to give. That balm the saddest heart can cheer and make the dying live. Unveiling wide the heavenly world Where endless pleasures reign It bids us seek our portion there Nor bids us seek in vain Faith shows the promise fully sealed with a Redeemer's blood. It helps our feeble hope to rest upon a faithful God. There still unshaken would we rest till this frail body dies and then on faith's triumphant wing to endless glory rise. Thank you. Be seated. Let the battle begin. I do not have it in my notes, but I will share with you that I have somewhat in my own mind outlined this whole affair of Gideon using the scripture's own words going down. (laughs) It was in chapter 6 originally that the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and although he did not use in that text the words go down, he meant for him to go down and called him to go down. So I said there is the call to go down. 
But then we come all the way from there down to chapter 7 and verse 10 and we find out that he's afraid to go down and so there's a going down before the going down. <laughs> Gideon goes down to hear before he goes down to fight. So that was the going down before the going down. But then we come to our text here in chapter 7 verse 18 and 19 and there's the going down finally. <laughs> there was the call to go down and then there was the going down before the going down and then there was the going down. <laughs> and then it's interesting the words used again in verse 24, there's a going down after the going down. <laughs> he sent messengers and he said, come on down. Come down here. Come down here and help us. So there was a call to go down. But then there was a going down before the going down. And then there was the going down. And then there was the going down after the going down. I give you that. As I say, it is not in my notes. But we've come now this morning to this last portion in the record of the Judges in chapter 7. This verses 15 through 25. We have followed this faithful servant, our faithful servant, I've sometimes and will yet refer to him as a hero, a true spiritual hero, the kind of heroes our children need set before them. We followed our faithful servant this faithful servant of Jehovah, Gideon, all the way from his calling in chapter 6 and verse 12, through all of his struggles, we have followed him now down to this scene. We have followed him in his battles with his own heart. Chapter 6, verse 15 through 21, battles in his own heart. We followed him in this inspired record through the battles with idolatry in his own household is the word that's used in verse 27 of chapter 6. Verse chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. We followed him through the battles with idolatry in his own household. We followed him in his battles with his own countrymen. In chapter 6, verse 28 through 32. And we followed him. Most critically, we have followed him in his sore battles with his own unbelief. Chapter 6, verse 36 through 40, we followed him there. And... Let me just pause and give you a little sidelight, if you please, a side lesson, just from those introductory comments. Let none think that even an obedient and faithful child of God, and surely Gideon has been, whatever have been his doubts, whatever have been his struggles, consistently when the Lord has said to do a thing he has done it he has been faithful so let none of us think that even a faithful and obedient child of God might not be plagued with occasional doubt and a debilitating unbelief. Surely you got that in the message that Luke brought to us from last week. 
even a faithful, obedient child of God doing what the Lord has asked them to do may be plagued, pained with an occasional doubt and a debilitating attack of unbelief. And that's exactly where Gideon was. Verse 10 of our chapter when he goes down before the going down. Plagued yet with an unbelief. We have followed, I said, our hero down these roads. We have followed him on as he watched the Lord diminish his earthly hopes and reduce his confidence in man. In chapter 7, verse 2 through 8, we watched him as the Lord did this to him. And then finally we watched over the past three messages that I brought as Gideon passed through one final struggle, through one final stronghold of fearful unbelief, we watched as he struggled through one final struggle of unbelief from which our gracious God grants him a total deliverance. Chapter 7, verse 10 through verse 15. And through it all, through it all, notwithstanding his fears, Gideon has been faithful. Gideon has walked on. We have watched him and I hope that we have walked in his shoes as we watched. But now, now at last, God has fortified his heart and worship has been the result. And I give you again, just as something of a sidelight, this fact, worship only ever comes in the path of obedience. Worship only ever comes in the path of obedience, even when fear would threaten to paralyze. You understand that fear is a paralyzing force. And we fear all kinds of things, don't we? Some have a fear of the unknown. They don't know what's going to happen. And so they become paralyzed instead of obedient. Some have a fear of failure and they can't bear the thought of it. And so they're paralyzed. They just won't move forward. Gideon Kept on. Gideon obeyed and moved forward even in the midst of paralyzing fears. And the result was worship. <laughs> oh, there's no worship like that worship. Worship when you follow on then shall you know if you follow on to know the Lord, when you followed on in obedience, notwithstanding your fears, follow on. Worship. But now at last, now at last, our hero has been made strong. And the day of battle has come at last. It's time now to go down. <laughs> My aim this morning can be no more in the time that I have than to set before your mind a clear understanding of the scenes whose record I have read in your presence. Rather than a mere 
rereading of it, I would give you a vivid, concise description of it in the prose of the scholar Adersheim. Adersheim summarized this scene in these words. Gideon and Furah have returned to the waiting host. In whispered words, he has told what they had witnessed. And now, the 300 are divided into three companies. It is not the naked sword they grasp, for in that night, not Israel, but Jehovah will fight. In one hand, each man holds a trumpet. In the other, concealed in a pitcher, he holds a burning torch. Each is to do exactly as their leader. Silently they creep round to three different parts of Midian's camp. The guard has just been relieved and new watchers have settled quietly by the watchfire. Suddenly, a single trumpet is heard, and then 300, here and there and everywhere, the sound of war is raised, and the night is peopled with terror. Now with loud crash, 300 pitchers are broken, 300 torches flash through the darkness, 300 voices cry the sword for Jehovah and for Gideon. Then is the enemy all around the camp. No one can say in what numbers. Again and again rings the trumpet sound. Again and again waves the torches. The camp is roused. Men, women, and children Camels rush terror-stricken through the dark night. No one knows but that the enemy is in the very midst of them and that the neighbor whom he meets is an Israelite. For all around still the sound of war trumpet, the flash of torches, and the cries of war. Each man's sword is turned against his neighbors. Multitudes are killed or trampled down. And their cries and groans increase the terror of that wild, frenzied night. A hopeless panic ensues, and ere the morning light comes, the sight of the camp and the road of the fugitive toward Jerusalem are strewn with dead bodies. Bush adds somewhat to Edersheim's description slightly when he says, Every man probably dashing his pitcher against that of his comrades who stood next to him. The effect of this with the intermingled sound of the trumpets and the shout of the assailants reverberating on every side of the camp and from the mountains together with the sudden glare of 300 torches blazing on the scarcely opened eyes of these Midianites must indeed have been astonishing. As the enemy could not imagine that every Israelite, as the enemy could not imagine that every Israelite had a trumpet and a light, the noise of so many trumpets and the blaze of so many lights with the crash of the broken pitchers from different quarters must have conveyed to their minds the most exaggerated ideas of the numbers by which they had been beset. Gideon's army would have been great indeed if, as the Midianites must have understood, the number of the fighting men had been in proportion to that of the trumpeters. It was mainly in consequence of this erroneous impression that the stratagem succeeded as it did. <laughs> the scene is one of absolute panic and hysteria on the one hand, that is, 
in the camp of God's enemies. But a scene of absolute calm and resolve, dare I even say, a cautious excitement in the camp of the other, of God's appointed servants. <laughs> what a scene. What a scene where our painter, I would paint it and try to capture all these emotions. And thus the scene is set before us. Great are the lessons in my mind tucked away for us here in the folds of this divine record. We shall attempt in the next few messages to call out only some of those lessons to our attention. Matthew Henry has noted the parallel between this scene and another noted battle that was recorded in Genesis chapter 14. Said Matthew Henry, the attack here was made in many circumstances like that which Abraham made upon the army that had taken Lot captive in Genesis 14. The number of men was much the same. Abraham had 318, Gideon had 300. They both divided their forces, both made their attack at night, and they were both victorious under great disadvantages. And Gideon is not only a son of Abraham, but in this text, he seemed to be the heir of his faith. And surely it is none other than by faith that this great victory is wrought and Gideon is seen now to be truly the heir of that same faith which animated Abraham as he searched out a city not made with hands. Could I pause just here? Before beginning any exposition of this text and press on our hearts this high and exalted truth, faith will prevail. Faith will prevail. Oh yes, and I have said much about it. Gideon has struggled. Gideon has struggled from the very beginning. Yes, his feet are made of clay. Yes, even he has feared that he would anger the Lord in chapter 6 and verse 39 with his struggling and staggering. Yes, he has struggled. Even some of you may have grown impatient with him in these sermons as we've walked beside him these last several weeks. But now, now, when we arrive at verse 15, now I would announce to you that faith, true faith, faith born of God will not fail. And victory is only a march away when faith has laid her sacred hands on the sacred promises of God and worship has resulted to honor that God. Faith will prevail. Faith will not fail, I said. And victory is only one march away when faith has laid her sacred hands on the sacred promises of God as Gideon did. And worship was the result of it. And faith is victorious. 
Oh, hallelujah. Faith. <laughs> I said it will not fail. You know that. What a testimony. Oh, I know you're very familiar, but look at the testimony again. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith, I said, faith will not fail. Oh, listen. The writer of Hebrews said, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not ever seen yet, moved, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By faith, Abraham, when he was Call to go out in a place that he should after receive an inheritance. Obeyed. He obeyed by faith. Do you see it? And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned. By faith he sojourned. Looking for a city not made with hands. Verse 11. Through faith, through faith, through faith. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past the age. Oh, by faith, verse 17, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. According to God, raised him up by faith. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was he in three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, verse 27, he forsook Egypt. Through faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Hallelujah. By faith, listen, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that didn't believe. By faith, I'm telling you, I'm trying to tell you this morning that what we're seeing unfold in chapter in chapter 7 and verse 15 and verse 16 as he goes down it's the operations of faith faith will prevail faith will not falter and fail oh says our lord says our lord in Luke 17 and verse 6, that to have this faith, if only in the quantity of a tiny mustard seed, is to have the power to move mountains. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. Faith. Did you hear what I said earlier? I said born of God. Faith born of God. This is not some psychological maneuver where we muster up within ourselves some carnal confidence. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about faith in God, born of God by His Word. From the very first time Gideon met this angel, he said to him, I have given you these millions. And his confidence was in the angel's word. Oh, 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 says our Lord, to have this faith, even in the just a quantity of a tiny mustard seed, is the power to move mountains. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Indeed, could I say to you that just the first infusion of it, 
This faith that's born of God, just the first infusion of it at our new birth moves mountains. <laughs> yes, hallelujah. This first infusion of faith at our new birth moves the mountain of sin and turns it into righteousness. It moves the mountains of carnal lust and turns the heart to impulses of holiness. It moves the mountains of self-love and self-desire and turns the heart to sacrifice, service, and compassion and moves the soul out of the mountains of God's wrath in hell and into the quiet valleys of shalom out of the choking disquietude of demonic mountains of the world and into the calming shades of his glorious shadow and on and on and on I could go and that's only at the first infusion of it it starts moving mountains hallelujah faith starts moving mountains <laughs> oh, Simeon said, faith comprehends within its grasp the past, the present, and the future. By it, the Christian knows that the universe, but a few thousand years ago, had no existence. And that it was created out of nothing by the Word of God. Oh, faith, by faith he sees Everything upheld and ordered by the hand that formed it and not so much as a hair of our head falls to the ground without his special permission. Faith grants us that sight. By this faith he foresees that all the human race which have in successive ages passed away shall be recalled into existence at the last day and be judged according to their works. Before that faith has brought a man to a view of the things which are invisible and eternal, he has no zeal for God, no fortitude to suffer shame for the sake of Christ. Oh, but one wants the realities of the eternal world are open to his view by faith. When once heaven with all of its glory and hell with all of its terrors are apprehended by him by faith, who shall stop him? Who shall intimidate him? Who shall persuade him? <laughs> oh, it cannot be. Says Simeon, bid him. If you bid him relax his diligence and give way to carnal ease and pleasure, he will say, go offer your advice to one that's running in a race or fighting for his life. Will he listen to you? Expect not me then to listen to you who's running for eternity or fighting for my soul. Is he called to suffer? By faith he knows for whose sake it is that he's called to take up his cross. And he takes it up with cheerfulness and rejoices that he's counted worthy to bear it. Has he made considerable advances in the ways of God? He does not on that account relax. But forgetting all that's behind and reaching forward to that which is before, he presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. These are the things which are chiefly insisted on throughout this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And as such were the operations of faith in the days of old, such also are they in this hour, and such will they be until the end of time. Faith. Faith. <laughs> Oh, dear old Gideon has gotten a good dose of it now. He's gotten a good dose of it now. Oh, faith. Faith. Faith, Gideon would testify. Faith this morning. If Gideon were here and he could come and testify, stand here in my place and give a word of testimony to you, he'd say this to you. Faith may struggle. Faith may struggle long and it may falter much. 
It may stagger Romans 4 and 20 at times at the very promises of God. But someday, someday, it'll march bold as a lion into the Midianite camps in your life armed with nothing more than a torch and a trumpet and faith will have you cry out the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Testify to us, Brother Gideon. Tell us what you can help us with on this matter of faith. Oh, says Gideon, dear saint, it may struggle. Sometimes it may fall. Sometimes it's going to need help just to hold out. But one day, one day it's going to prevail. And you'll march into the camp of the enemy with victory. Armed, as I said, with nothing but this. A trumpet and a torch. And this word, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. Can I tell you? Even at death's dark hour, faith will look across a river at last and see the shining ones. <laughs> and shout with the saints of old there, glory, 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 dwelling in a man. Oh, sure it will. Sure it will. Did you hear? Did you hear that hymn, the last verse we saw? There, still unshaken, would we rest till this frail body dies and then on faith's triumphant wing to endless glory rise. <laughs> oh, listen to me, faith. Faith will prevail. We get down to verse 15. Gideon's going down. He's going down. And listen. God. Gideon's still testifying to us now. I'm quoting him. <laughs> In my imagination. Gideon's saying, God. We'll keep answering your prayers. He did mine. He will keep answering your prayers no matter how feeble or foolish they seem. What else, Brother Gideon? Oh, God will keep lifting up your sinking heart no matter how weakened it is. What else, Brother Gideon? Oh, God will keep sending Tokens of his presence, no matter how deep is your darkness. Until one day, you too will move the mountains of unbelief and fear and march triumphantly onto Satan's strongholds in victory. Amen, Brother Gideon. Take it. Thank you for that testimony. Thank you for that testimony, brother. Oh, because of Gideon's latest infusion of God's divine encouragement. One commentator said, Gideon goes out against God's enemies as if in a jest. More like an attack on a company of children than an attack on a multitude of soldiers. I mean, he's got trumpets and torches. 
You frighten children with that. But he's going out against a host of Midianite soldiers equipped with weapons of warfare. And Gideon is equipped with nothing, nothing, nothing of warlike weapons but holding on with a mighty grip to the confidence in the all-powerful God to keep his word. There's the secret. There's the secret. There's the secret to success. Gideon would testify the words of Psalm 118 and verse 19. Psalm 118 verse 19, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I'll praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Hallelujah. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Dear old Gideon would have testified. <laughs> oh, he heard me. He heard me. He hurt me. Now, when we come to verse 15, now, now is Gideon ready at last. He's ready at last to sally forth and engage in the calling into which he has long ago been called. Now is faith proportioned to the task. Now is God's servant ready. Now will faith bear her precious fruit. Now will the buzzards feed on the flesh of God's enemies and God's servants will feed on the spoils of war and the fruits of our own labors. Hallelujah. Now, now, now. That the trying of his faith has worked patience. James chapter 1 verse 3. Now let the battle begin. At least four times in my studies I looked. At least four times Gideon has heard the Lord say, Arise. Arise and go down. Chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. Chapter 6, verse 36 through 40. Chapter 7, verse 7. Chapter 7, verse 9. At least four times Gideon has heard the Lord say, Arise and go down, but Gideon has said nothing. When we come now to what faith has done, the operation of faith in the soul of an obedient, believing saint, we come down to this verse, and now we find in verse 15, Gideon says, Arise! Hallelujah! His testimony joins God's testimony. If I could say it in a different way, his desire now mirrors God's design. Faith has wrought its good work. And now Gideon is saying, Arise, let's go down. God has given it to us. That's what faith does. That's what faith will do. Faith will make your testimony match God's testimony. Faith will make your desire mirror God's design. That's what faith does. And it's always victorious. Oh, faith has wrought a good work now. A good work now. And so, let the battle begin. And that's where we'll take up, Lord willing, next week. Turn with me, if you will.
him just across the page from the last or near it anyway. Hymn number 505. Stand with me as we sing together. Grace is a precious grace. Faith is a precious grace. Where'er it is bestowed, it boasts a high celestial birth and is the gift of God. Faith is a precious grace Where'er it is bestowed It boasts a high celestial birth And is the gift of God Jesus it owns as King and all atoning priest, it claims no merit of its own, but looks for all in Christ. To him it leads the soul when filled with deep distress. Flies to the fountain of his blood and trusts his righteousness. Since tis thy work alone and that divinely free, Lord, send the spirit of thy son to work this faith in me.